Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. We have a guest on the show today. Mr. Mean Man. I'm not going to say, I'm going to say something wrong. Brian, who do we have on the show? We have the famous and illustrious Kevin the Mean Man Mortensen. What's up, Kevin? Not much, man. Um, I'm glad to be here. Freaking listen every time you guys post it. No schedule. Keeps me on Mm. my toes, but I listen. Super happy to be here, man. We love it. Thanks for your uh, listenership. We really appreciate you. And I will be delivering the brown bag of money, and it will be coming in a few weeks. So, again, we appreciate those wait, listens. Wait, there's money involved with this? No, no, no. I, I only said this. I was supposed you were I, you weren't supposed to hear that. I see. Kevin, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, yeah. So uh, my name's Kevin. My high school nickname is Brian. So gratefully called me was Mean Man Mortensen. That kind of just goes back to my days in high school. But yeah, so that's how I know. Brian is high school, grew up together, played football together, made a lot of great memories playing video games and uh, doing all sorts of stuff. But yeah, that's that's me. That's how I, I know Brian, I guess. After after high school, I uh, spent some time, served a mission in Toronto. I'm 26, so just slightly younger than uh, Brian, but not by much. I lived in Cedar I live in Cedar City right now. I uh, go to SUU. I'm at their SUU aviation program, so I'm a pilot. Um, I fly helicopters. I'll be done in the summer with my training, have my CFI licenses so I can teach other people how to fly. I work full time doing directional drilling, which is crazy hard construction work, um, but it pays the bills. Uh, I dabble myself in the stock market. Um, I really have no idea what I'm doing, but (laughs) I give it a shot. Uh, Did you make billions on GameStop like some people did? No, um, I, I hurt myself because I, uh, I missed out on that bag, that Dang. whole bag of chips. So I was looking at some options to buy the day before it blew up, and I decided mm-hmm. not to risk it. So I could have made a lot of money, but I chose not to for some reason. So maybe next time in 10 years or 20 years when that happens again, maybe I can ride <laughs> that boat. Yeah, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll all be on it. You could have been with us when we all felt the pain of I dropped my Tesla stock the day before it jumped. And so there's always something to feel pain on in the stock market. That is to be sure. You mentioned you played football with Brian. What uh, position did you play? So in high school, I played offensive lineman and defensive end. Um, and then I played a year in, in uh, at Dixie State, and I just played on the defensive side of the ball there. So I looked a lot different in high school than I do now, for <laughs> sure. But We'll get into that later. Tell, Give me the same answer, but let's just hypothetically say that I have no idea what any positions in football are <laughs> except for the quarterback. So what did, what did you do in football? Um, so on the defensive side, which is uh, my main type of football I like to play, uh, I'm just the guy on the outside that's on two feet and my, my hand up front, and I just chase the quarterback. That's really what my job is, is make sure he doesn't get to run around and do anything. Do you still try to play any, to any, any at all these days? Uh, football is just one of those sports that, unfortunately, once you're done, it's just done. Yeah. I'm always jealous of the basketball guys because you can just pick up a basketball and go shoot some hoops with friends. But football is like a huge team sport. So, mm-hmm. did you get down on any? Were you able to get down on any turkey bowl this year? No, Hurricane used to do a turkey bowl all the time, but now they don't do it. And I think with COVID, I don't know how many people even did COVID this or did uh, the turkey bowl this year. So, yeah, the turkey bowl was uh, was a bit awkward this year. Uh, I know some groups but were able to jump on and do it. I, I do have to ask, Brian has very uh, strong feelings about video games, and a lot of my video games are on the other side of the spectrum as his. So what, what where do your video game preferences lie? I love video games. Um, I don't play them near as much as I used to, but I don't know where Brian exactly lies, but I dabbled myself in quite a bit of first-person shooter games, and I'm big into the sports games, so that's what I like. I like to play some other free-roam games, kind of like Skyrim and stuff, but I didn't play that one as much as I do the uh, the sports games, NBA 2K and Madden and then Call of Duty, so. Gotcha. Brian, I'm, I'm getting the impression that he's more on my side than he is yours. Yeah, yeah, he is. From what I, yeah. We did play a bunch of Call of Duty back in the day. It's all about that Nazi zombies, dude. 
That's right. Not so zombos, man. Staying up till the wee hours of the morning. That is something we can all relate to for sure. Oh, yeah. Good times. Back, there was no obligation. The only obligation was to get that. Get get them. Mm-hmm. Get them all. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know how the heck. Brian, did you tell me that Kevin was doing uh, helicopter stuff? Because this just completely passed me. Passed me up. Uh, I may have told you about it. If I've ever talked about my friend who's a helicopter pilot, it's Kevin. Ah, gotcha. So indirectly, you have talked about it. Probably. Kevin, what uh, brought you to your interest in helicopters? I don't, I wouldn't say that I've like always, I definitely didn't always want to be a pilot, but uh, I work construction and I make pretty good money doing what I was doing, but it just got to the point where being away so much and like the physical toll that it takes wasn't enough. Like the money didn't justify the means. And I'm lucky enough that my wife's brother-in-law, um, he's a life flight pilot at a company that's based out of Vernal. So I had an opportunity to go on a flight with him, talk to him about that, his process of becoming a helicopter pilot, you know, what that entire process entails, what kind of jobs there are, what kind of money you make and your schedule. So that kind of got the ball rolling and we looked at a bunch of places and SU was close to home. So kind of just dove face first into it and went for it, you know. And how long have you been doing it? So the program is just over a year. So I started last January and you work through getting your private pilot's license and then you get your instrument rating and then you get your commercial commercial pilot pilot's license and then you get your certified flight instructor license and then your certified flight instructor, instructor for instrument. So I'll be done at the end of the summer sometime in July. Does this go over both? Is this specific to helicopters and similar vehicles or does this cover both? This license in this class cover both helicopters and planes. Yeah, so it's it's all completely different. A lot of the knowledge that you're required to know for your tests is similar with planes and helicopters, but as far as the license goes and your like certification, uh, it it's just specific for helicopters. So it would make getting your pilot's license for an airplane much easier if you're already a pilot but it's just for helicopters. So if I want to fly planes, I'd have to go through some other training and actually fly a plane and stuff. So Hmm. the helicopter that you have, do you own it or is it leased through the company or how does that, how, what, what kind of situation do you have? Do you just get to get up in the morning and get a cup of coffee and head out to the helicopter in the backyard? (laughs) Uh, No, I, I wish maybe one day if I'm ever a millionaire, I'll go buy my own helicopter. Uh, No, the program that I go to, it's actually part of SUU. So SUU, um, flies a bunch of different helicopters. They have 28, I think, 28 R44 helicopters. And then they have a couple big turbine helicopters that I'm flying this semester. So I just go to the school. I'm like part of their program. So and I, I'm assigned a specific instructor. So I usually fly two or three times a week. I go to the school. We talk about what we want to do for the flight. And we go up. And my instructor teaches me how to do stuff, refines my skills so that I can pass my tests and be a competent pilot and hopefully never crash. Fingers crossed. Can I, does your instructor have his own helicopter? I just want to see how far you have to get up the, up the chain until you have a helicopter. Um, it's not about being up the chain. It's just about how much money you have. Actually, most pilots, mm-hmm. most pilots, at least as far as helicopter pilots, they don't, most, most of them don't own their own helicopter. It's just really expensive. Like the R44s that we fly, um, they're about $850,000 for the helicopter. And then you're probably about $280 an hour to fly it. And you're probably spending anywhere from fifteen dollars to $25,000 a year on inspections and parts and stuff. So you have to have a lot of disposable income to afford an aircraft. Airplanes are a little bit less expensive and a little bit easier to maintain, but it just gets really expensive. So unless you have a lot of disposable income, you usually fly in somebody else's helicopter. Sad days. I mean, 850,000 is easy, but I don't want to mess with that 25,000 a year maintenance cost. So yeah, I mean, if 850,000 is easy, I mean, maybe I need to change what I want to do for school. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? Can I, can I have Um, a loan, Jordan? Yeah. We actually make a lot of money on this podcast. I just don't send, I just don't disperse. Oh, I I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, yes. I see. No, that that makes sense. I get it. If I remember right, you just wanted this to be a an audio journal for your children, and so 
I just took that. I just took that as the uh, mark for I keep the money and you keep the uh, the memories. Definitely what I want now. <laughs> There's definitely no incentive that you have to have money for your family at this moment. Nah. That's not the impression that I'm getting for you. Nah, none. Nope. We are just fine. Brian, what uh, you've known Kevin for it since it sounds like since high school. Yeah, since elementary school, really. I remember Kevin moved in uh, like down the street in like third grade, right? Yeah, um, I was born in Hurricane, but I spent some time in St. George, so I think it was third grade. Mr. Olson's class was when I was back in Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like we were just like friends down the street. Uh, you went to charter school for like a couple of years, right? I did. Um, that was, I believe, fifth grade and part of sixth grade. Was part of that mm-hmm. good old Mormon school. Yeah. Obviously, that didn't last for super long, but good <laughs> gave it a shot. Yeah, all through middle school, we played football. There was a little division because there was two different football leagues, and so there was like the one football league and the other football league, and. We happened to be in separate leagues, but I mean, once we got into high school and started playing for the high school, it was, it was just one big happy family. And really ever since freshman year, we've been just, we just hung out all the time after that, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, What Brian's not telling you is there was two different football teams, but I was actually on his football team for a little while. And I was mm-hmm. horrible. And I don't think I played all of five minutes all season. So then the City League came and was like, hey, you could play with us. And I'm just some dumb kid that's like, yeah, I hate just riding the pine while my <laughs> friends get to play. So I went and played for the other league, which I got to actually play. So, I mean, there's no hard feelings. But yeah, and when we were uh, freshmen. On I mean, I'm getting team, some hard feelings. I'm getting some <laughs> hard feelings. No, no, we're we're good now. No, it all worked out though, because Kevin came in and he was like, Kevin was like the best lineman we had, like pretty easily. Like we were all, me and Kevin were always on opposite sides of the of the line, on offense and on defense. Um, and man, that right side was so strong. We always ran to the right side. Uh, if there was a run up the gut or. Off tackle, it was always off Kevin's side. So whatever happened at the in the city league was turned out great for Kevin and for the team. Yeah, Brian's a little too kind there. I mean, we did run up to the right a lot, but uh, Brian's side was hindered by an underclassman playing guard, which is the position right next to him. So we're not going to run it over there because Thurman Joe or whoever they put there was not very good. So <laughs> there was a it was a revolving door of juniors of, of underclassmen filling in, but. It's all good, man. I'm just saying, Kevin. This is this is if uh, if you need to let off some steam about Brian, this is your time. This is no. this is the place to do it. No, there's no there's no steam. Yeah, we we became really good friends like in uh, that freshman year of football, really, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we all came together. Just started hanging a lot out a lot, then spent a lot of time doing track and stuff, and then that's kind of where our friendship made its bonds, and here we are. I live down in Southern Utah. He lives up in Northern Utah now, but we still talk quite a bit and. Yeah. You know, see each other every once in a while. So, yeah, I saw you over Christmas and met your baby. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, uh, you listen to, you listen to the previous episodes. And so, you know how, uh, myself and Brian know each other. Yeah. When Brian got his job at Desert Solace, the addiction recovery center, I don't know how good friends you guys were, how much you guys talked around then. But what, I mean, in your mind, what did, what did Brian do on a daily basis in your head? Um, Brian tells you that he gets a job at a, at a rehab center. What do you think that that entails? Well, I mean, we were still really good friends, obviously. Like, he's living in Southern Utah. I was there. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say, like, my perception of what he did was uh, make everybody food and get to hang out with people and see how, like, therapy works um, and see how you guys like recover and like, act as, as far as like the, the treatment or the therapy is going. But that's kind of all I really knew is that, uh, he worked a lot of night shifts and was like, man, I got to cook or go bowling or go on a hike for work today. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> You've pretty much nailed it. To it yeah. That's, so. that's basically it. Yeah. I remember when I took that job, it was kind of a hard, it was kind of a hard thing. Cause like we were hanging out like all the time. Um, 
we, me and Maddie and you and Courtney would go, we'd go bowling and we'd have like game nights at my house. And we'd had Ben and his wife, Michaela, uh, who we also knew from high school. Uh, we were just, we just hang out all the time. And, and Braden and Tierra from high school also, they were, when they lived down in Southern Utah, we just had this big, huge group of friends and we were just hanging out all the time and doing all this stuff together. And then like, I took this job that was like basically all night shifts and like that just like went away almost overnight and it was pretty rough brian decided that a bunch of sick people were were more his uh his alley than you guys is what he was telling you oh is that what he's saying (laughs) yeah it's like these guys this is this is a crew obviously brian's known i feel like what he's wanted to do for his career job for a long time and uh, him being at Desert Solace, I think, was just a really good thing for him. So even though we stopped hanging out quite as much, I mean, life gets in the way and there's things that are more important than uh, hanging out with your friends. So it's all right. In the previous episodes, Kevin, you mentioned it was it was forwarded along to me because you had some advice for us after we made our best attempt at talking about motorcycles. Yeah. Yep. And you, you calmly, patiently, those are the two words that I think of, came in and gave some corrections on that. And so I'm interested in uh, mostly just kind of how you first jumped into motorcycles. For me, myself, it was kind of a sudden, it was kind of a sudden thing. I can't remember off the top of my head kind of what made Brian kind of jump into uh, getting a motorcycle, but what was the reason that you ended up getting one or your first motorcycle? Well, um, I'll just start off disappointing you is that I don't have a motorcycle now, but growing up, my, my dad always had like a, a 1994, like Honda 650 Enduro. So I drove that the first, like, that's like one of the first motorcycles I drove that guy. And then in high school, I actually ended up driving a 2001 Vulcan 800 for a while. Uh, I love motorcycles. Uh, I'm really mechanically minded as well, growing up with my dad, working on motors and cars and stuff. So the only suggestions that I had for that one episode that I listened to was just, I think you guys were talking about like top end speed versus like the RPMs of different types of uh, styles of bikes and stuff. So I don't think you guys had anything wrong, but just talking a little bit about more that plays into that so i love motorcycles i'd love one but courtney is my wife and she loves me to death but there's something about going through helicopter training chopping the throttle at 800 feet above the ground and trying to land the helicopters as much risk as we're going to take right now so (laughs) i mean i guess i can respect that i don't know if we asked the question that you mentioned as eloquently as you just stated it but we're going to go with what you just said (laughs) about the rpms and the top speed because that sounded much better What's the what's the dream motorcycle for you, Kevin? If uh, uh, risk was out the window, um, I'd probably say something like a Ducati. They they make a really mm. I'm trying to think which model it is, but they make a really awesome enduro model that doesn't look quite as uh, trashy as some of the other enduro models. Um, it looks a lot more like sleek and and clean, but um, it is mm-hmm. like a hardcore enduro bike. But I I don't know if I'll get one. Maybe later down the line. I'll end up getting one, but right now the motorcycles are kind of just off the, off the beaten path for me. So that's sad, man. But there's always hope. There is always hope. That's true. Brian, what was your uh, was motorcycles a big topic, or did you guys both have motorcycles in high school? No, 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 no. Um, was there ever a time that you two got to ride together? Uh, I rode on the back of that enduro he mentioned one time. Uh, <laughs> that's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I bought my first motorcycle from another friend from high school. I needed transportation. I lacked the funds for a car. And my buddy uh, had a 250 Ninja, Kawasaki Ninja, that he was selling. And I was like, how much? And he was like, I can't remember. It's like 2000 bucks. And I was like, sweet. So I went over to the bank and I got it out and I just <laughs> handed him two grand and I rode him on a, on a little lawnmower bike. And that was my first bike. Uh, but that was after I got married. That was while Kevin was on his mission, I think. And I thought my purchase was sudden. <laughs> yeah, it was really out of the blue. But uh, I do remember that uh, that Vulcan that Kevin had. Uh, for a little bit in high school that was a nice bike i remember being real jealous of it it was loud as ever you know so 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was straight piped, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So it was just, the sound was just coming right out of the engine. You could hear you coming for miles. Yeah, I remember sneaking out all the time doing shenanigans in high school. And I would always have to push it like 10 blocks away to start it up (laughs) so my parents didn't wake up. Or shut it off and coast all the way home so that no one heard me come home. Oh man! And what's the difference? You said it was straight piped. What's uh, what are the other options? Because um, for somebody that owns that at one point had three bikes in his garage, I had know nothing about bikes. <laughs> yeah, so straight piping that is actually really easy to do to a bike, but most states make it illegal. Like Utah is one of them. In your muffler, there's just a bunch of baffles that quiet the engine. So when you straight pipe it, someone or you can just take those baffles out and that quieting effect that the muffler has is now just void. So it's just super, super loud. And if you were to want to make the bike quieter, I don't know why, but if you were to want to make the bike quieter, is it just a matter of making it curvier? Is that is that a professional term? Um, no, the curves don't really have much to do with the sound. It's just like the baffles. Like if you look down the end of your tailpipe, there's stuff in there. And you can usually take those out and buy like nicer baffles and it's supposed to quiet the sound or that they'll be longer or shorter. So the sound waves moving through all those baffles get quieted and dampened down. So only some of them make it all the way through. And that's what makes it quieter. So the curve of the pipe doesn't really matter much, but... Gotcha. I was going to be really impressed if just putting like an L-shaped pipe on that thing was going to make it quiet. (laughs) Unfortunately not. I mean, most of the curves are usually to get it away and down from the bike and some bikes that just looks cool to add extra little like twists and turns to them, I guess. So, so Kevin, uh, we talked earlier today and you had mentioned to me, we, before you had asked me to train with you and you ran 13 miles today. Uh, did, you're, yeah. you're training for a half marathon which i think is like 14 well it's like 12 miles more than any person should run yeah so <laughs> i actually i ran a, a half marathon today it's 13.1 is a half marathon so yeah yeah i'm just working on my pace um trying to get to to do it in an hour and a half because if i can do it in an hour and a half then all i have to do is do it twice in a row and i can qualify for the boston marathon but wow that's a, that's a little ways down the road wow so um, you mentioned that you looked a lot different in high school. I can vouch for that. What possessed you to change your fitness uh, mentality from like weightlifting and like bodybuilding to running marathons? Um, so the first thing is I'm a very money motivated person, no matter what it is. Like if you <laughs> tell me I can make an extra 20 bucks um, doing any number of things, I'm probably going to do it. Whether it's real estate or stocks or my job, I'm like very money oriented. So the first thing, like in high school, I was 250, 270 pounds or whatever. So I was a lot bigger than I am now because right now I'm sitting around 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, my wife's family had a, uh, a weight loss competition in January of 2019. And Everyone had to pay a hundred bucks. And if you won, you got 600 bucks. And I was like, that's worth 600 bucks. I could lose some weight and I probably need to anyway. So Mm -hmm. for the first three months of that, like I lost a crazy ton of weight. I dropped from like 275, 280 down to like 220 pounds. I won the competition, got an awesome prize, obviously winning that 600 bucks. And it was around that time when I was thinking about becoming a pilot. And one unfortunate thing about helicopters is... The heavier you are, the more expensive it is to run the helicopter. So I needed to drop from like 225 down to 190 so that I could make a flight weight for the school and save like $75,000, $80,000 in my training. So I didn't really have much of a choice of like, this is going to save me money. So I'm going <laughs> to just start running like crazy, go pretty hardcore on my diet. And uh, it took me an entire year, but I ended up actually weighing like 179 a year after my starting my diet. So I lost over a hundred pounds. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. I remember, I mean, I remember, uh, during that, uh, that weight loss competition with your in-laws, we went over to your house for a barbecue or something. And I was like, Kevin, what's wrong with you? Like you were just completely different. It was a very drastic change, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, one unfortunate thing for me is I, I, I lost weight everywhere, but the first 
and probably the last weight that I lose is like in my face. So if I stop dieting for a while, I stop running. It only takes a week or two. And my wife is always like, I can tell you haven't been running or I can tell you haven't been eating very well <laughs> because oh, my man. face starts nice. to get all chubby. So oh, when I started losing it. that, my whole face changed a ton. So a lot of people were like, are you sick? Is something okay? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> what a weird, what a weirdly effective call out. <laughs> If your face changes so quickly, if you're not on your, like, if you're not on top of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now you got to worry about the dad gut, like me. That's, I've been doing, uh, like, a lot of body weight exercises just to focus on my core, to to suck back in my dad gut, because it is, uh, it got embarrassing to look at, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect either, obviously, like, right now. The school probably should weigh us more often, but they don't. So mm-hmm. I made my weight so that I could fly in a slightly smaller helicopter, save some money. And then when we bought our house this last October, I did not give a rip about running. I didn't give a rip about my diet for like from October pretty much to January. So I gained a decent amount of weight. So I'm just trying to get back down in case they surprise me with like, hey, step on the scale, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang, man. That's awesome though. So uh what's you've how old is your baby now? So Clay's just over two months now. Man. He's almost three months, my wife tells okay. me right now. So Gotcha. Well good. Um how is how's that? How's having a baby? Um it's a completely new experience, that's for sure. It's exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Not having a lot of sleep is <laughs> terrible, but I have a wonderful wife, so she takes care of him most of the time at night. And then I usually just am a jerk and sleep through it all and ask her in the morning if he slept good or not. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Um, that is a really not very, uh, that's one thing that's not very talked about is that like the mental struggle that a dad goes through by not helping the baby and just like the immeasurable increase of love that husbands have for their wives uh, that when they take such good care of the babies. Do you, do you feel like that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I feel like I got to like, I'm still getting to know in a way, in ways like a new side of my wife, which is exciting and new. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely deepens like the love and care that I have for her, seeing her, how she acts towards clay and like how she can take care of him and shows me a lot of the strengths that I didn't know that she had there before. So it's exciting. Yeah, that is awesome. That is, I love babies. I love, like, I love my babies. I love when my friends have babies. And I just got so excited for you guys um, when Clay came, when Clayton came. Because when, uh, when we had, like, when I've had babies, that's just been such, such a special time for me and Maddie to grow closer together as a couple and then as, parents who now have this squishy little wiggly person to take care of uh, and getting to know the baby more it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful time and and I'm really happy for you guys yeah man it's it's it was definitely a wonderful time having him and getting him here actually and uh, although I'm frustrated a lot of times when he won't sleep or when he's fussy we're happy to have them all the time, man. It's just like a crazy experience and it's a whole new world now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't have many more questions, but, uh, and I don't know how long you guys have to record, but I do have one more question. Probably the biggest question that I have is, uh, how did you get the nickname mean man? So I think it was our freshman year. Was it our freshman year? Yeah. All right. We filled out some sort of paper. Do you remember what it was even for? Um, I think it was like a getting to know you thing for football. So the coaches could get to know our personality more or something. Yeah, it was something like that. We filled out, like, I don't even remember what was on the thing. I don't Uh, either. But for some reason, I decided I was going to be the cool kid. And at the top where it was your name, not even a question, but clearly (laughs) it probably should have been put as a question. I might've put it down correctly, but I just put Kevin, the mean man, Mortensen, and one of the seniors, I think, got a hold of it or read it and uh, said it in practice or did something. And that was that was my life for the rest of my next four years. Yep. Yeah, I think Coach Homer, the head coach, even 
uh, like mentioned it at the at the beginning of practice. I can't remember what he said, but he said mean man and like pointed at you and then like everybody just started laughing and then that was that was it. That was your nickname in your parking space in the parking lot. Had you always had mean man on it and it was great. I yeah, loved that's it. That's crazy. I forgot about my parking spot having it having it yeah. say that. Yeah, I really owned that, I guess. So Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, how I got sure it. Did. Oh, it was such a good story. It was funny. It's funny to be there. I just want to know, you guys had a coach named Coach Homer? Yes. That I, was the important that was the that was an important bit right there. I even asked you when I very first met you if you knew any Homers from Idaho or uh, Southern Utah. Oh, did you? I did. And you said no. I get I'll admit I get that question so many times that it probably just got washed amongst all the others. Yeah, no, I get it. Kind of back to the helicopter and motorcycle stuff. Um, Do you find when you are on your bike, a bike, a previous bike, or when you're in the helicopter, the forced focus that you have to have when you're in those, what, uh, I mean, does that stress you out? Does that relax you? I mean, what... uh, a helicopter is a little bit more than a motorcycle, but I feel like in some ways they're the same kind of thing where they they require much more attention than just a, a car. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what uh, does that kind of stress you out when you're up in the air um, or on the bike or? Oh, uh, I think it's like the same level. I mean, that anyone like when you learn to ride a bike the first time, it's like pretty stressful, and you're worried about how hard you can turn or how hard you can lean, how fast you can stop. So it's stressful, and then as you get more comfortable on the bike. Uh, some of the things that used to take a lot of your attention now take very little of your attention. You can focus on other things. Uh, the helicopter is the same way. Learning one control at a time is really stressful and hard. And then just little things like, there's no way I can fly this helicopter and talk on the radio at the same time. Or there's no way I can do <laughs> yeah. this and that at the same time. Uh, but as you get better, um, it's still stressful, but in different aspects of it, you know, cause you're always hopefully learning new things or new ways to be more proficient, um, honing in on your skills, um, as a pilot. And then if you're riding bikes, the same thing, you know, taking roads that are maybe a little bit more windy where you feel more comfortable taking them faster. So I think a certain level of stress in most things in life is a good thing. As long as you can manage it and get better, then you can always push yourself to, uh, become better do you think that that certain level of stress well why why do you think that's uh good or important to have in your life um i feel like this is like a huge question to answer but (laughs) yeah i think stress is a is a great thing because if you're not stressed it usually means that you're super comfortable and if you're not comfortable in whatever aspect of your life then you're probably not moving forward and I'm all about taking risks and I'm all about trying to be better at everything that I'm doing. So if I'm not stressed, it probably means that I'm complacent where I'm at, whether it's with my school life, my work life, my pilot life, whatever it is. If I'm not stressed about anything, I'm probably not moving forward. So I think that level of stress in your life is a good thing because it always keeps you moving in a direction where things are always going to be getting better and better. And Hopefully you can look back one day and be like, oh my gosh, that was really hard. But in hindsight, it wasn't really that bad. And I have a great life now because of it. Yeah, that was a great answer. And and that is one thing that I thought we always had in common was that we always wanted to be the best at everything we tried. And it caused some tension a couple of times, that the competition between us. But I also think that that's one of the reasons that we were and remain such good friends is that 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 tension and that competition and always trying to be better than the other person but that what that really meant was that we were just trying to be better versions of ourselves and and we got to share that ride with each other oh yeah for sure i definitely think that my wife doesn't understand it because she's not competitive but (laughs) it's just a weird thing that i think a lot of athletes have that Mm -hmm. you can try to be the best that you can at something which might mean you're gonna destroy somebody but when it's all said and done win or lose you can just put your gloves down and be friends Um, my wife gets mad at me now because we'll play games with her family and i am like ruthless and there's family members of hers that won't play with me anymore because they're like you're just too intense and i'm like it's nothing personal i just want to win and when it's over we can still be friends it's fine but some people don't have that mindset and that's fine 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is difficult to be like that in a very complacent environment because uh, Maddie's family is very much the same. I want to ask Kevin, uh, I, I used to find, and I still do for the most part, I used to find driving in itself a very relaxing thing. Uh, doing Uber for a couple months kind of took that away from me. Motor, uh, riding my motorcycle I found very relaxing, and I didn't necessarily know why. And I never really brought it up to anybody. It wasn't really a topic of conversation. But the designated broker at my uh, at my real estate firm, he I, I was sitting down with him, and he was mentioning how much he enjoyed his flight training that he just got done with. And there were parts of it that sucked, but he also he also very much enjoyed flying because it was a relaxing thing. And we kind of went back and forth on this for a couple minutes, and we both kind of came to the conclusion at the same time that it's when, like for me, you know, I have I have all these projects going on at the same time because I that's just I just move around and I just kind of hop to different interesting things. Uh, you can take that times thirty with my boss because he has he has money to do different things. But when I'm in a motorcycle or when somebody's in a plane, something that takes all your focus and forces you to have all your focus. That was relaxing to me because I didn't have to feel any shame about it wouldn't be appropriate for me to think about any of these other projects or think about what I should be doing um, instead, because, you know, the only thing I should be thinking about right then and there is just how to maneuver this motorcycle safely or how to maneuver this, uh, this plane safely. Does that resonate with you at all? Do I mean, you got a lot of things going on. I mean, you're a relatively new homeowner. Uh, you got this class that you're continually going through and progressing in to become a better pilot. You're a husband, you're a father. Is there something relaxing about just like getting in and just this is taking your whole attention? Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, it goes both ways though a little bit with especially being in a helicopter. Planes, I, I make fun of them all the time because I mean, not that it's, it's definitely a skill to be able to fly an airplane, but when you're flying a helicopter, if you're going in VFR, which means everything you can see everything and it's totally fine, it can be very relaxing. You can get to look outside and see things in a way that most people in America don't ever get to see. Most people in the world don't get to see the type of views that you can see. So it's very relaxing in that sense. But it doesn't take very long in a helicopter to just be completely worn out. I did a night flight um, a couple nights ago. And we flew like five hours and I literally was like, felt like I wanted to fall asleep when we got back. I was just like, as soon as we shut down the helicopter, I was like, I'm beat. Um, and part of the reason of that is that like, obviously you're in the air. So you're anywhere from a couple hundred feet to a couple thousand feet above the ground. If something bad happens, like a check engine light comes on, you can't just pull off on the side of the road. And especially in a helicopter, like if we have an engine failure, we're on the ground in 45 seconds. Like that's as fast, like that's as slow as we can fall out of the sky. So an airplane, I make fun of them all the time because they lose an engine. They can just pull out their checklist, turn around, glide back to the airport. Um, obviously that would be a stressful situation even in an airplane. But for us, like it's one thing you always got to be thinking about, like where can I land? Where can I do this? Where can I do that? Because if it does happen, it's like blink of an eye, you have to be ready for it. So after just a little bit of flying, you get a little tired of, of that because you're all, your mind's never stopping. It is a release from other things in your life. Cause yeah, I have to think about this. So all the other things I'm doing, I don't have to think about anymore. So it is an escape from those things, but it is tasking. So I hadn't considered the difference uh, between a helicopter and an airplane in regards to an emergency uh, because it's an airplane in most situations can still glide and uh, and they are going to take a lot longer to get to the ground. I can definitely see uh, you do not have that kind of time to go through a procedure all written out and, and written all neatly. That's good. I mean, that's a that's a kind of a cool little thing that I didn't really think about before. Definitely. That's one thing that I tell people, like I have a cousin, I'm trying to convince him to come be in a helicopter pilot. If you're a thrill seeker, like that's the main part of your training is you practice. You go seven, 800 feet above the ground and you literally cut the engine off and you practice just falling and landing the helicopter without an engine, which is bonkers. And it's a thrilling ride. Uh, the first few times you do it, it's really scary. But you figure it out. But it's super, super fun, you know. So, wow. That, yeah. I didn't even know that was possible in I mean, a helicopter. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's just uh, there's a lot of things you got to do to to get down to the ground safe. So, mm -hmm. there's a uh, a lot of people will. Uh, we have all sorts of indicators in aircraft. Airplanes have them too. Attitude indicators and airspeed indicators and altimeters and mm -hmm. people 
will have pictures or they'll have a brick that says auto rotation glide indicator in the event of an engine failure throw out the window and follow it to the ground (laughs) nice that's good (laughs) that's pretty awesome my last question for you kevin unless you unless this arises more questions but you've heard us talk about D a little bit in our shows uh, first off have you have you played in the past i have never had the opportunity to play D. well i might have had the opportunity i've never taken the opportunity <laughs> to play what has been your like you've heard us talk about it a little bit what it, what in your mind kind of like i asked you about brian's work what in your mind is D? um or happens in a D session i mean i don't know like I guess like your last episode was all about D&D, so I picked up most of what actually is happening in D&D from your last episode. I think like to start off, one of the things that I think makes it intriguing for a lot of people is just the idea of creation. I think humans love creating things, whether it's creating a big stack of money or creating life, building something. Uh, I think we all want to do that. And it sounds like D&D lets you do that in every aspect. It Video games, they have like the free roam games like Skyrim that's a lot more free to let you create your character and create your gaming experience. But it sounds like D&D is more free of those things where there's only so much a video game can allow you to do. But sounds like in D&D you go, you know, you get to create yourself, you get to create where, what you're at, like where you're at, what gets to happen. And I think that's what makes it intriguing for a lot of people. Um, because it literally is like adds a personal piece to, you know, a, a fantasy game that it makes it feel a little bit more real. Cause you get to be there. You get to, um, decide your own destiny of what you're actually doing. Yeah. I think you nailed it. How do you feel about that explanation? I think you nailed it right on the head. That's, uh, yeah, that's absolutely what's, what I think is so fun about it. By the way, you're always you just let us know, and you're always welcome to to guest in for uh, for a session if you ever want to join uh, Brian and the and the other folks for a Wednesday night to Wednesday night game. I I haven't even turned on my Xbox in like six months, so for Yikes. me to put the time and effort into it, I don't think I have that right now. So I'd just be insulting you guys by trying. That's all right, man. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it would be if it would insult us, but uh, I can definitely respect that. I I pick up games much less than. Uh, uh, did in the past i think brian brian has shared that that's you know brian's been experiencing the same thing yep. how's final fantasy going brian um d- don't know haven't touched it in a while <laughs> <laughs> you haven't touched yeah. it yeah that's what i thought yeah 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 the the reason i like D so much is like the same reason i like the thought of like writing a book or a show or, or any of this any of this stuff it's it's very fulfilling to write like a narrative or, or create, uh, I mean, in art as well, you just create something and see somebody else's reaction to it. There's something, I mean, I'm an addict. Um, and there is, there is totally something addicting to that process. And then there's the added thing between, you know, with, with D and D you're doing it with a group of people more than not a group of your friends. And so, uh, it's, uh, it's a time that you guys just get to hang out and, and, uh, be with each other. Um, but with that first thing, like Brian, uh, I know last our session last week was uh, pretty boring, but uh, there were some good bits in there. But you'd like, uh, in all seriousness, like last week's session was, you know, for a DM. That's a super satisfying to, for the viewers or for the listeners. We just had a uh, Brian's character had died, and uh, and uh, there was quite a process to him coming back, and and involved quite a few um, decisions and changes, and getting to go through that with the player with you, Brian. Uh, that was very fulfilling for me. That was a very satisfying thing to uh, thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I've always had like a hyperactive imagination, just like a very very strong imagination. I'm trying, I'm trying to teach my kids how to put themselves asleep, and I tell I tell Griffin, my five year old, what I did when I was a kid was I would pretend like I was a Jedi or something, or like. I would pretend like I had superpowers and I would just like think about all of the cool things I would do as a Jedi or a superhero. And I did that every night to fall asleep, like up into, up into like middle and high school. That's how I would like put myself to sleep was like daydream about what it would be like to have a certain superpower or something. D and D is a game 
it's a a system that puts that into like a cooperative setting where everybody is buying into this daydream basically and we get to go through it together and agree on on what it's like and what happens on it and it's it's like uh it's like the perfect game for uh, a hyper uh, hyperactive imagination like mine absolutely yeah i would i would definitely agree with that that i mean that has gone through my kevin i'm just gonna say you are a you are a guy that runs 13 miles and you have and you have a helicopter and so in my mind like i just have this mental image because i have never seen you in person uh i just want you to know i have like a mental image of tom cruise in my head a bit taller uh, and I'll just go ahead and stick to that until uh, until I see otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I did have I, I did have a question uh, for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this just I actually texted Brian about it forever ago because um, one of your earlier episodes you were talking about you wanted to get into the real estate like game or market, and that sounds like now you work for a real estate firm, which is good. I just was curious how that's going for you. Yes, for the record, yeah, I'm gonna jump a- in and say um, I forgot who texted me about real estate if it was jordan or kevin um and setting this setting up this uh session i was like okay i can't remember who wanted to talk about real estate but i know both of these guys are in real estate and it was mentioned before and i'm glad that so i'm glad you brought that up because that cleared it cleared up who uh who brought that up for me yeah absolutely and i think we uh that reminds me i think I think the episode that I updated folks on it, I don't think we actually published that episode because there were too many uh, technical uh, things about it. And we also recorded it right before Brian. I think that was the episode that we recorded uh, and I continued to record like 10 minutes past when I was supposed to be at the airport <laughs> to fly out. Oh, that's good. And so by the time I got back in town, I no longer cared mm-hmm. about editing that to show. I think but, that was the episode where uh, my input, the recording input was the ah, yes. the laptop across the room. So that was also yeah, that was definitely a text that i appreciated getting when i was on my way to the, uh, <laughs> the airport it just felt felt good inside but yes. it's all right We're, it's not a real podcast until that happens at least once kevin back to your question <laughs> yes i had been doing uber and doordash and all that and i'd been doing that as a full-time job for several months having a great time doing it by the way like a just a fun thing to do uh sometimes it drives you crazy sometimes in uber you get a you get a you know involve the police and uh and stay up all night uh dealing with uh with some matters but uh but for the most part a great thing but i had a family member that was also in idaho that was getting into real estate and i had just been for the longest time fascinated by real estate because there was just so there was just so much to it i love i love jobs and work that just lets there's just no way that i'm gonna get to the point where i quote unquote learn everything so real estate that that's just the apex of I'm, I'm never going to learn everything about real estate. And so back in like April of last year, when the pandemic really started kicking off, um, I, or it was a little bit later than April, but I said to myself, I was like, all right, I'm not doing Uber anymore. I'm just going to sit in my house for the summertime and I'm just going to learn real estate and I'm going to take this course. Uh, and so I learned it, got, uh, I got picked up by a firm, uh, as soon as I got my license, which I'm very grateful for and, and blessed. Uh, and I've been doing real estate, uh, since September in Southeast Washington. Um, and that's been a great experience. Uh, I'm not in the capacity of a full like agent right now. We're doing it a little bit differently. Uh, and it works out for me in that it's not as much of a time commitment for me because, uh, and I love doing things like this podcast and D and D and other things. And so I act as more of kind of a licensed, uh, kind of assistant while I learn the trade okay. and I'm choosing to do that for a little bit of time. And then, uh, eventually go into a straight agent instead of kind of jumping in and every day is like a 10 hour, 10 hour workday. But I'm very blessed. It's an amazing experience um, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Once you become a full agent, that's where you can make some big money. You know, uh, are you ever going to look into like not just like selling, but are you going to like personally try to buy and get into real estate as an investment that way? Yeah, it's a uh, I found that it's kind of a joke that I mean, it's hard to it's hard to start learning about real estate and not. I mean, once you know you that's the only barrier, then you just want to jump into it. There's so much there's so much money and and that's a, just another, you know, we talk about I'm never going to learn everything about real estate and personal investment whether it's commercial or or just uh like rental and multifamily and stuff. That's a whole ball ball game in itself. But yes, I uh 
I have some specific uh, goals lined up and uh, some specific things involving, you know, me, the first house I get, you know, eventually being a place that uh, that I can use for income. And uh, I have full intentions on personal investment. I'm perfectly accepting that the plan might change by the time I have uh, enough money. But uh, but for now, um, that excites me. And and I like the uh, I like the possibility of that. And so. That's the plan for now, and uh, and yeah, it is an exciting thing. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, well, sweet. Do you have any other, Kevin? Do you have any questions for? Uh, I imagine over the years you've probably exhausted uh, Brian by now, but uh, do you have any questions for Brian or myself? Uh, no, I don't think I have any questions for him. Just same thing. I feel like I tell him a lot of times. Good luck with freaking going to school in Texas and I mean in not a joking way obviously I, I wish the best for him and that would be awesome and it'd just be a bummer that he lives a little bit farther away but I don't think I have any other questions I'm just glad that uh, I was able to come on the show it's exciting so thanks yeah We've man gone through video games football helicopter running a marathon crazy by the way I'm just gonna get that out there again <laughs> even if it's a half marathon I think we've cons- I think we've uh, taken into account almost all spectrums and uh, and a lot of different lifestyles uh, between the three of us, Brian, what did you? What were you saying? Oh, I was just saying thanks for coming, man. Thanks for supporting the podcast. It means a lot that you listen to it, and uh, yeah, just thanks for being here. Well, sweet. Well, we will uh, we will wrap up here. Uh, this episode will probably get posted, even though they are looks they sound like they're busier than I am. Uh, this episode will probably still be posted sooner than when I am responsible for it. Uh, somebody else is going to give a go at uh, at editing the show, and so if uh, if you see this, if anybody sees this episode in February, that means I probably did not do it. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for listening, uh, everybody, and uh, thanks Kevin for uh, for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me.